0: exciting church I was going to talk about seven habits of highly effectively growing people today but um, I just gonna just talk about baptism with us all right can, I talk, can we talk about baptism I just uh, I think not only do we, is baptism one of the keys to the kingdom that Jesus gave to Peter in Acts in, in Matthew chapter 16 but it's also something that we need to live in the light of it's not just something that happens as a one-off thing but we're to live in the light of our baptism so if you can turn to Deuteronomy. I don't really have notes today, but I do have a Bible. Isn't that good? I do have a Bible. And then I'm going to pray at the end. And I just think uh, I'm going to ask musicians to come. Um, Jenna, can we just give up for Jenna and the worship team? Guys, thank you so much. Where are you, Jenna? Right here. Um, and we're going, to just, we're going to go back into that song in a bit. Uh, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Because that is the truth. What, there's something that happens in baptism. We're going to look at it right now. That takes away... Slavery once and for all, if we choose to. But there's a choice right there, and that's what I want to talk about. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11, it says this. Um, How did I end up in Psalms? Okay. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 10. The land that you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt. Everyone say Egypt. From which you have come, where you planted your seed and irrigated it by foot. As in a vegetable garden, but the land that you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is the land that the Lord your God cares for and the eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. There's an amazing picture here of God's people who were in slavery in Egypt They were slaves. Everyone says slaves. And uh, if you've been here for a while, if you can imagine a cross behind me. We had a cross up on the stage a few weeks ago. I think it was on Easter Sunday. But on this side represents, sorry if you're on this side, darkness. (laughs) And this side represents light. And we were taken from the domain of darkness into the marvelous kingdom of light. And that happened through the cross. And here in this passage is a picture, a foreshadow, pointing towards what happens in baptism. So we were once slaves. We were over in darkness. Everyone say darkness. We were slaves and we were sinners. And that's what the people of Israel were. They were were chosen by God, but they were slaves. And if you remember, God rocks up one day in a man named Moses' life on a bush, a burning bush, and he says, Moses, Moses. You know, God never forgets our name. And God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to go back to the place that you're wanted for first-degree murder, and I want you to suggest to Pharaoh to let my people go that they may worship me in the desert. And that's what happened. This is, the, this is an amazing story. I mean, I, I, I sometimes wonder what that must have been like when Moses goes back to Jethro's house and tells him what kind of day he'd had. Well, God just rocked up and spoke to me through a burning bush. If I was sitting around that dinner table, I'd be like, Moses, have you been smoking bush? <laughs> you, you can't go back there. You killed an Egyptian. You grew up in the... You, that's not going to work. And yet God chose him to go back to speak to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. So here in Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 10, it says the land that you are about to enter is not like Egypt where you planted seed and you irrigated it by foot. In other words, where you had to work, 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 work by the sweat of your brow where it was hard work. No, the land that you're entering, a foreshadow, here we go, of of the promised land, of the right side of the cross, of the kingdom of God, where sons live and saints live. This land over here, this season, this side of the cross, is a land of hard work. This land is not like that land where you irrigated it by foot with a foot pump doing things for work. No, this land is a land of mountains and valleys that re- that drinks rain from heaven. If you want to write notes, you can write this. Let it rain. I believe we're in a season right now where God wants us to learn to stand in the rain and not just do things by work, not is by grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 said it is by grace that we're saved and not by works. It is the gift of God. And we can try every program. We can try and push and try and work. Or we can say, no, I'm not going to just work with the foot pump, try and try something else, try another program, try something to extend the kingdom. No, I'm going to learn to stand in the rain. I'm going to learn to drink rain from heaven. And, you know, the Bible teaches us how to do that. In John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and streams of living water will come from within him. That doesn't even seem to make sense. If you're thirsty, the water that you need is inside of you. So when we're hungry and we're thirsty for more of God, and we say, God, I just want you to reign today, what we have to do is tap into the river that is deep inside of us and say, God, I'm ready. And this will affect the way we think. It will affect the way we act, the way we talk. When we, It will affect the way we worship. It will affect the way we evangelize. And suddenly, people just begin to get saved. I've seen more people get saved in the last few months, not by even trying. But often, it's when we work the foot pump. It is by grace that we're saved and not by Works, it's the gift of God. So here, Moses is talking about the land that you're entering is not like Egypt, where you irrigated it by foot. The land you're entering is a land of mountains and valleys that drink rain from heaven. Church, we need to learn to stand in the rain. We need to learn to drink from the well that God has given us. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and streams of living water will come from within him. Now, here can be a challenge. If we don't fully recognize what happened in the cross, what happened at Calvary, the wrath of God was satisfied. It was a finished work at Calvary. It was paid in full. It was by his stripes, not ours, that we are saved. So often when we don't realize this, we go back into dead works and we go back to the foot pump and we start beating ourselves up, trying to make God approve of us. But the truth is we are fully approved. We are fully accepted once and for all. And now by grace, we are living in the marvelous kingdom of light. By grace, we have entered the promised land. The problem is After they went through the Jordan on dry ground, which, by the way, was a picture of baptism. Going across the Jordan from slavery to sonship, from slavery into the promised land, that journey across the Jordan was a prophetic Old Testament picture of what we saw today in baptism. Do you know, it was when the last one had gone across on dry ground, that then the chariots of Pharaoh, the enemy, Came and they tried to, they changed their mind. They were not happy that God's people had been set free. And in that second, God causes the water, the sea waters to break. And it says, the waters crushed the enemy. And every single one of them was crushed. That's a picture of what happened in baptism. Here's a question why is it then that if that was a prophetic picture, didn't they enter Canaan quickly? Canaan was only an 11-day journey away it was only 250 miles but it took them 40 years to get them get there why i want to suggest to you it was up here I want to suggest to you this morning the reason God's people didn't enter into the fullness of everything that Jesus paid for on the cross is because it took 40 years to get a slave mentality out of God's people. And I want to, just in today, as I was sitting there, I thought, I don't want to talk about seven habits of highly effective, growing people. I just want to talk about what's happening today. You know, there's a biblical precedent that's set where we teach what just happened. And what just happened today is something really powerful because people got baptized. And you know what the truth is? Revelation is progressive. And some of the children that got baptized today, they understood um, in little form what was happening. But for the rest of their life, they will grow in the revelation of what happened today. Many of us, I, I, I but, we, but most of in fact, all three of our boys got baptized in water when they were five. And I still remember it. In fact, I looked at the, looked the video the other day. I don't know if Isaac's here. I don't want to embarrass him. I'm just going to do it anyway. And he was swimming around the hot tub. We said, okay, son, you're going to get baptized now. And Isaac said, uh, I, I, said I said, Isaac, why do you want to get baptized? He said, because I want to do whatever him does tell me. <laughs> It was cute if I had the picture, but he would be very, very embarrassed. I won't tell you what Judah said. <clears throat> but my other son, I don't know where he is. He's definitely gone, so I'll say that. He said, it's really cold in here, Dad, because he got married. Can we just hurry up? Get this done with. <laughs> yeah, and his goggles were hurt. They, he wasn't looking. Yeah, he wanted the goggles looking perfect for the pictures. It was, Yeah. But but the thing is, we grow in revelation is progressive. We understand more about baptism now than we did then. See, in Matthew chapter sixteen is the first mention of the word church, and Jesus looked to Peter and he says, "Peter, who do the people say I am?" And he said, "You're." They said some say. One of the prophets, some say Elijah. And Jesus says, Pete, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, blessed are you, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, for this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And on this rock, I will build my church. You know, the only thing that Jesus ever said he would build is his church. His church is a people. You know, we're a part of his church. We're a part of his people that is is growing across this earth. Thousands of people getting saved all the time. It's so exciting. These are truly exciting times to be alive. And then Jesus says to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, you can read it. He says, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. So Jesus gives these keys, this bunch of keys to Peter. This Peter, by the way, is the same Peter that denied he ever even knew Jesus less than 50 days before. And here he is now in Acts chapter 2. Who had He, had he he'd denied Christ after being given to the keys to the kingdom. And he's standing there in Acts chapter 2 and there's a great outpouring. It says people from every, every nation under heaven heard them speaking in their own tongue. And tongues of fire came to rest on each one of them. And they went from an upper room out into the streets. And I want to suggest to you this morning that God wants to take the encounter that each one of us are going to have today with him from this upper room out into the streets. And that doesn't mean we just go around acting really drunk, going, oh, I'm just so drunk. No, it just means that we're going to take, the, you know, there's certain things, hallmarks, that, that happen when we are full of the Holy Spirit that are likened to drunkenness. is not drunkenness. But there's a confidence that comes. Peter then boldly, then Peter stood up and boldly started to preach. There's a confidence that comes when we are filled with the Holy Ghost. And so in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and he says, No, every, he, says, he says, everybody listen carefully to me and let me explain this to you. These people are not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. No, this is what Joel was going on about. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And he gave them the keys to the kingdom. Everyone say keys. And the first key we see in in Acts chapter 3, verse 38, says when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said, what must we do to be saved? And he said, key number one, remember the keys that Peter gave the keys. This is Peter preaching at the beginning of the church. He's preaching at Pentecost. Thousands of people are listening, and Peter pulls out his keys, the same Peter that said, I swear I never even knew him. Less than 50 days before, and the first key was you need to repent. Repent just means to change your mind. The second key was to be baptized in water. It's an outward expression of an inward reality, to go in the waters of of baptism and cut off our old man, once and for all, buried. And then we come up into newness of life, You know, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is now at work in us, it says in Romans chapter 8. That's a lot of power, church. The same power. You know, there's a power that came upon each one of these kids today, whether they fully recognize it or not. It's a resurrection power. The first key was to repent, to change your mind. The second was to be baptized in water. The third was to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and for your children's children and for all who are far off. That's each one of us here. And I want to say today, if, you don't, if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it does not mean that you're not a Christian. If you do not speak in tongues, it does not mean that you're not a Christian. It doesn't mean that you're a lesser Christian. It means there's a gift that God has for you, and it's yours. All you have to do is receive it by faith. And then they were added into the church, which Jeremy did such a great job today, just adding people, welcoming people into the church. That was the another key, the fourth key into the kingdom. They were added into the church that day. You know, we read the book of Acts like it was a cool weekend, but it actually happened. The events happened over a period of 40 years And as these years unfold, you know, by Acts chapter 19, 20 years had gone on since Pentecost. 20 years had gone. And Paul meets some people on the outer road and and he says, what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. He said, that was for repentance, but there's another baptism. And it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Paul laid his hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied 20 years later. That's why today, some people have just heard about being baptized in water. It's like, hey, I want to get baptized in water. I got saved 30 years ago. I, I'd never had that revelation. Now I see it. It's a keys to the kingdom. I want my old man completely dead, completely buried. But church, here's another thing I want to touch on before we go today. And it's in Galatians chapter 5. If you can turn there with me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And I believe this is just key. As I was listening just to the Holy Spirit today, I just felt just to bring this to us as a church and going forward that we live in the light of our baptism we live in the light of the fullness of everything that Jesus paid for on the cross amen I'm going to say that again I believe Jesus came to show us what the father is like and Jesus died on the cross he pay, was paid in full and I just believe the enemy has, is powerless; the enemy is a toothless lion. <laughs> Hands up if you want to receive everything that Jesus paid for on the cross I, I do I want, I want to live in the fullness of everything that Jesus paid for on the cross here 's the problem, and this is a challenge that we can live in today and Um, And it's why, it goes back to the Old Testament, why is it then that God's people, it took them 40 years to take an 11-day journey, a 250-mile journey, a 400-kilometer journey, it took them 40 years, a whole generation had to die before they entered into the promised land before they, before they entered. So if that was an Old Testament picture, why is it that today when we receive the second key to the kingdom, which is baptism, is it that there is sometimes a still a struggle of living in the fullness of everything that Jesus paid for on the cross? Because in, this, in darkness, we were slaves and sinners. Then there was a finished work of the cross. Now we're living in the marvelous kingdom of light. And now we've been taken from, from slavery into sonship. We are now sons. We're daughters. So why is it that we sometimes struggle? And I'll say, when I say us, I'll start with me. I sometimes struggle, more often than not, with living in the fullness of everything that Jesus paid for on the cross. I still have to, have to, to battle with certain fears. And so what is it? And I want to read this Galatians chapter f- uh, 5 verse verse 1. For it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. Stand firm then and do not let everyone say do not let Do not let yourself be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. Therefore, can I suggest to you, it is possible to be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. It's possible, even in the marvelous kingdom of light, to have shackles. Even in the marvelous kingdom of light, to have yokes that are not from God. Even in the marvelous kingdom of light, even in the kingdom of sonship, that we can still carry burdens that God never called us to carry. We can still, we can still bring this foot pump over and still try and do things for, in dead works. We can still do things in our chains. In fact, if you listen to the dialogue between Pharaoh and Moses, it was a constant negotiation where he says, okay, then I'll let them go. Do you remember all the the frogs and the boils? Do you remember the whole dialogue? I mean, it's massive. Uh, And it's it's an interesting study on the tug of war that's happening between the enemy, uh, between Pharaoh and Moses over God's people and letting them go that they may worship. And he says, okay, you can go, but only for three, only three days. Okay, you can go, but only if you do this. Okay, you can go, but only if the, if the women and if the women stay behind and all the children. And the constant, no, let my people go. In other words, Pharaoh, a picture of the enemy was saying, you can go, but you have to go in chains. You can go and worship your God, but you can only go a little far, a little bit far. You can't go very far because I don't want you to go completely into freedom. But in the end, he was so frustrated with all the the boils and the darkness and the locusts. In the end, he's like, just get out of here. And it says he drove Moses from the palace. And he says, just go, just go. And God's people went. But then he changed his mind and he pursued them to the Jordan. And then after God's people had gone over on dry ground, the waters gave way and it crushed the enemy. And yet they went through on dry ground and wish they could have been there 11 days later. They could have been there. They were almost there. But something, they started to complain. When we were in, when we were in Egypt, when we were slaves, we had meals. You know, there are certain things about, about fear that actually can comfort us. There are certain things about living in slavery. You know, at least you have three square meals a day. You know, people who are incarcerated often go back and they re-offend because they're just not used to being out and being free. They don't know how to function. And so they re-offend and go right back and they feel safer there because they're going to get three square meals a day. They're going to do what they're told. And it's like being slaves. church, God wants us free. He wants us to go through the waters of baptism and not be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. But so often, there's something about, uh, that just keeps me safe. That's just who I am. They become like little pets, these little fears. And today, I believe God wants them broken so that we can come through into sonship and not be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. So in a moment, I want to pray for fear. I want to pray for people that have fear. Some of you have fear of death, and you know what? That has been me. There's been times in my life I've been so crippled with fear of dying, and that's just really funny if you look at it. Think the enemy is just—you're a joke, and he really is. Do you remember with Jesus when he came up out of the water, heaven opened up and a dove dove came down and a voice says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And immediately the the enemy says, if you are the son of God, if, 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 you know, the enemy will always question the very thing that God has already said. Did God really say that? It started in the garden. And, you know, if it started then, he'll still do it now. He'll try and get us to, to climb mountains of pride. If you're the son of God, come to this, then, then come up here and I'll show you the nations of the earth, which I have authority over. No, you don't. And I'll give it all to you because it's been given to me. No, it hasn't. The enemy's a liar. And then Jesus responds with the word of God, with the word of God. And it says, then the devil left him. Watch this, watch this. For a more opportune time. The enemy's an opportunist. He never plays fair. Think it not strange when you're tired and the enemy comes in and attacks you. Of course he will. Don't be ignorant of Saint's devices. He's an opportunist. So think it not strange when you come up out of the waters of baptism and all hell tries to break loose. That's when don't, as Galatians 5 says, take your stand against the enemy. Stand firm then and don't let yourself, don't let yourself, do not let yourself be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. I'm almost done. I think it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was talking about the ox, the wild ox anointing. In Psalm 92, it says, you have anointed my horn and exalted me like that of a wild ox. And Ezekiel chapter 1, there's wheels within wheels and the spirit of God was in the wheels. And Ezekiel saw visions of God. And inside of this, these visions of God, he saw the face, the four, face, four faces that represented different aspects of what God is like. And one was a, a man, one was an ox, one was an eagle, and one was a lion. And if you study each one, of the, each one of those animals, there's something about the very nature of God that we can learn. We can learn something about the lion. Proverbs 8 verse 1, 28 verse 1 says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. He is the lion. We're as a lion. The devil's just like a lion. There's something about the eagle. He renews my youth like the eagles, it says in Isaiah chapter 40. And we did a whole study once on what eagles do. There's something about the nature of God that we can learn from eagles. There's something about, the na- about man that we can learn because that's how God relates to us. Because he came to us as a man. And there's something about the ox. And I told a story, and I'll just tell it again very quickly, but I was watching in the middle of the night, I couldn't sleep, and I was jet-lagged, and I turned on the TV, and I watched a National Geographic with David Attenborough as the commentator, and it was about how different animals survived in the winter season, and in this particular season, went through different animals, and then it came to the wolf. And the wolves, this pack of wolves, chased a hare and they killed it. But they were still hungry, and they said. Then they set chase to find something else that would satisfy this whole pack of wolves. And they came across the musk ox, which was a huge pack of ox. These ox were massive. They're the ones with the long hair, the ones that the, the snow holds onto the bottom of their, and they just stand still in blizzards. Ox. Remember, Ezekiel chapter 1, the face of the ox was the face, is one of the faces of God because Ezekiel had visions of God. And in David Attersborough's voice, it says, The alpha wolf set his gaze on these ox, and he began to pursue them. And as this alpha wolf began to, to charge towards the ox, when they saw the wolves coming, they spooked and they began to, ran, to run. And it says this, it says, he says, David Attenborough says, they, they knew if they could get them to run, then he could get them to disperse. One ox is heavier, one ox is heavier than the entire pack of wolves. But if he could spook them and get them to run, Then they would disperse and the wolves would attack the young and they could, if they were running, not taking their stand, they could bring one of them down and they'd have a meal that would last them for a long time. And it worked. And David Attenborough's voice, and it works. Off they go. The oxen start to run and the wolves make chase. And then all of a sudden, something bizarre happened. Suddenly, they stopped, they dug in their heels and turned around and faced this pack of wolves. I don't know what this conversation was going on as they were running, but it was almost like Bill said to Joe, Joe, why are you running? And Joe's like, I don't know, you ran, so I ran. <laughs> and Bill says to Bob, Bob, why are you running? He goes, I don't know. And then Jim says, hey, we're ox, they wolves. I know. We're bigger than them. We're not scared of them. That's right. And in a second, they dug in their heels, turned round, and they just made rank. And their, 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 their young gathered in into complete form. And they just stood there and faced the wolves. The alpha wolf, wolf stopped in his tracks and bowed his head in submission. And the enemy, the Lord said this to me. He said, son, sit up. And I sat up in bed. He said, I'm going to show you something. If the enemy can only get you if he can get you to run. Nowhere in the Bible does God tell us to run away from the enemy. The Bible says run away from sin. Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife. We're to run towards God. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. But we're to run towards our enemy, not away from our enemy. David, it says David took his five stones and his sling and he ran towards Goliath. What plays in the theater of your own mind is what plays in the theater of your own mind? Is it fear? Is it worry? That's the enemy's playground. That's where the enemy will get you. This is what causes us to walk and wander for 40 years when the, de- the journey is only 11 days. This is what causes a whole generation. To, to, to wander around and be defeated, and the enemy, is, and it just laughs at us. Because if, but if we would take our stand and say, we ox, you wolf, we no move. We ox, you wolf, we're not moving, and we just turn around. All we have to do is stand, and rest what it says here. Do not be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. Don't do it, but stand firm against the enemy. All we have to do is stand and go, really, wolf? Really? You think, What? You know, Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber from England, and he said this, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. The devil actually manifested at the end of his bed one night, and he woke up, and he turned on a light, and he saw the enemy. And he said, it's only you, and went back to sleep. You know, we do not have to be afraid. We do not have to. God is love, and where God, where God is there, that's where we are. We're in him. There's no fear in love. I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of but of power and of a love and of a sound mind. That's why what we think about is really important. That's why sometimes when you're running around like an ox, you have to say to Bill, "Bill, why are you running?" And he'll probably say, "I don't know, cuz you ran." And then Jim's going to go, "We're ox. Yes, we're like God." Yes. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is now at work in us. We ox, that wolf, turn around. Take your stand. And that's it. Game over. And David Attenborough says, and it's stalemate. They stood there for a while and then the wolves realized they could not get in. They retreated. And he said, now it's checkmate. Game over. You lost. You lost. The devil lost, but the devil is a liar. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, verse 10. So if he can get you to believe that he has power and authority over you and get you to run, he will. But church, I'm here to today, let's not run. Let's live in the light of our baptism. Let's live not as slaves, but as free. Jenna, can you come? We're going to stand in just a moment and we're going to sing that song again. I'm no longer a slave to fear. But just if I can ask you why the musicians come, just close your eyes. Before I pray, I just want to ask you, what are you fearful of? What have you scared of? What has gripped you? Because today I believe there's a spirit of sonship that wants to fall in this place. Today I believe there's a spirit of sonship that wants to touch us. There's a spirit of sonship that wants to to encourage us, to comfort us. That we would again realize... I am not a slave to fear. I'm not living in Egypt. I went through the waters of baptism and it crushed the enemy once and for all. And I'm a son. I'm living in the marvelous kingdom of light. I'm a part of the global, worldwide church, the ecclesia, which means called out once. Called out of darkness into the marvelous kingdom of light. Amen. And church, I I think if if we can get this, we will learn to stand in the rain if we get this we won't keep going back to the foot pump if we get this we won't get back, go keep going back to trying something new trying something else but we'll learn not only to stand in the rain but we'll learn to do what Jesus taught us to do in Matthew, John chapter 7 verse 37 if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink and streams of living water will flow within will flow from within will flow from in. I want to pray this morning. If you if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you you just just hear today that this is a key to the kingdom. Maybe this is a key to an area of my life that I've not received yet. You think, well, I've been a Christian for ages. And I've kind of squared it off in my head that I don't really need that. That's okay. It's okay. There's no condemnation. But I want to suggest to you it's a key access another whole dimension of your life. See, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us when we get saved for salvation, but there's a second baptism, and it's a baptism for service. Wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes upon us for power. There was a meeting I was in a few years ago. I've never felt the presence of God as strong as I did in this particular meeting. It was a meeting that clearly had gone out, started in a room and gone out into the streets. People were crying in the streets. People were getting touched by God. People were jumping on airplanes and flying into this city. I flew in and with my friend Andrew and As we just got a rental car and started to drive towards this arena, we could sense God. It was just God's here. And the closer we got, the more it was like, oh, wow, surely God is in this place. And the presence of God literally pushed pushed you in a very gentle way, but to the ground. God was there. People were getting saved. People were getting healed. People were getting set free. There was an awesomeness. There was an awe of God. There was a temperature in the room where there was a unity where people were gathering together saying, let's come, Lord Jesus, for hours, and hours, and hours, and hours. We just sang this, these same words, rain down, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. We sang that song, majesty, worship his majesty. i remember getting up and i know this is carnival. i just needed the toilet i need to go to the loo i had to i've been on my face for ages i was like i've got to go to the loo so i left this arena i went down the steps and around these big big arena there was all these people and they were lining up for getting pizza and pretzels people lining up for the bathrooms there was like 30 steps and down these 30 steps, the atmosphere had changed, the contrast was so different people looked grumpy, people were pushing each other and I thought this doesn't make sense, there's a revival going on in here but down here people are squabbling and people are you know, being negative and whispering and chattering I want to go back up there and I said this, Lord, I thought when there's a revival, it started in a room and then went out and affected a, not only a city but a region. And then it would go to the ends of the earth. And yet people look so switched off. And as I walked into the bathroom, the Holy Spirit said this. He said, that's how you look. Surely not me, Lord as I walked into the bathroom, I, I passed a mirror, and I looked in my face, and sure enough, my face had a scour on it. I went out of the arena, and I went and sat on a, in a park, and I said, God, today I want you to change me. Today, God, I, I, I ask that you would touch me, that if there's things in me, if there's pride in me, if there's things in me that is hindering." This glory that I've encountered, this outpouring that you've so graciously and generously poured out on your people, I want you to change me and I'm going to ask that you would forgive me. You know, in Acts chapter 3, verse 21, it says, If you repent, then times of refreshing will come to you church talking about letting it rain one of the keys is not just being baptized it's living in the light of your baptism it's not just to repent one time but living a life of repentance and when we do to constantly changing your mind repent means to change your mind but when we constantly change i'm not going to do that anymore here's the promise and times of refreshing will come to you repent so the times of refreshing may come to you. For some of you today, it's not a matter of just, just doing mental ascent or tr- just trying to turn over a new leaf or going back to the foot palm, but saying, God, I'm wrong. Holy Ghost, will you just search my heart? Will you search my mind? And come to me afresh because I want refreshing to come on me. I want to be deeply refreshed. You know, God can do more today than we can do in 25 years you know, I left that meeting and I sat with my friend Andrew Hughes in a steak and shake and my face was just, I just felt free. I felt refreshed. I felt happy. I felt joy. I felt like I had the joy of the Lord and I walked into steak and shake and I just walked up past a couple and I said, hey, what's up? And they just kind of looked at me funny and I found my way to the seat and I was having a milkshake with my friend Andrew. And after about 15 minutes, this couple came over to me with tears in their eyes, about to burst into tears. And they said, why did you come and say hi to us? I said, I was just happy. And they said, well, we just said to God, if you're real, have someone come and talk to us. And then you came and said, hi, how you doing? Are you okay? And then you walked off. Why did you do that? I said, I don't know. I said, are you guys okay? They said, we've just come from the hospital. My wife's pregnant with twins. And we've just been diagnosed with TTTS, which means twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. And tomorrow, they said one of the babies will die, but they have to do an emergency C-section, and the babies are not old enough to come out. I began to cry, and my friend began to cry, and I showed them a picture of our twins. And I told the story of Fee and I, how that's exactly what happened to us. Our kids had TTTS, and they were prayed for, and a miracle happened, and there's nothing wrong with those kids. And I said, would you allow us to lay hands on you? And we just commanded life. These people are not Christians. They don't know God. They're sitting in stake and shake, not knowing what to do, saying, God, if you're real, then just show up, and God did. Laid hands on them. They gave their lives to the Lord. Those babies were born, called faith and hope. A few months later, joined the local church. Church, I'm just saying this. This it starts with us. Change has to start with us. It's not just outside stuff. It starts in here. It's not everybody else change. We, I need to change, and then it just flows. Then we just learn to stand in the rain. Stuff just happens. Amen. So can I ask you all to stand? Can I ask you to close your eyes? Put your hand right on your heart, right here. Right on your heart. Don't look around. Don't worry about anyone else this morning. I believe this is a holy moment. This is a moment not just to just to go through emotion. This isn't a moment, just a, a way of finishing a meeting in an emotional way. Wherever you are, you may not even know God today. Today you may have come and you're just a visitor. You just came to see a relative get baptized. You know, the late Billy Graham said this, that every one of us has a God-shaped hole in our hearts. And I just want to tell you today, the only thing that can fill that hole is God himself. The creator of all things. And if that's you, and you're like, I don't even know what this means, I don't know what's happening in my heart. I don't know what. I've just, there's something going on in me, inside of me. And it's 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 not just going to church. It's not being a good person. It's not a foot pump. It's not trying to do better. It's I have to accept that there's a hole in my heart. And the only thing that can that can fill it is God. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus today I want to thank you I want to thank you for dying on the cross for me I want to thank you for carrying sickness and disease. I want to thank you for carrying shame. I want to thank you that you came so that though I was in darkness because of what you did on the cross, not what I can do or have done, but what you did, I now by faith can receive this gift and be taken from darkness into the marvelous kingdom of light. So Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin today ask that you would come into my life you come into my heart, you'd fill this God shaped hole that only you can fill and totally forgive me totally set me free so that I am no longer a slave to anything but I'm a child of God if that was you, can you just wave I'm just not going to bring you out the front but just acknowledge so I know who prayed that prayer I'm going to pray for you at the end anyone else and the rest of us here in this room I just want to say this God is a God of love and there's no fear in love this then is love not that we love God but that he first loved us and I want you to know that when he died on the cross he died because he was pursuing you with a passionate love because he loves you so much. With your hand on your heart today, I just want you to ask him in to come afresh, to touch you afresh. If you want prayer for anything, you can just come to the front and ministry team will pray. But we're going to sing that song. We're going to end this meeting t- today. We're going to end this meeting of baptisms, of this amazing key that brought us into the marvelous kingdom of life. And I want you to be provoked and encouraged today that you can live in the light of your baptism. You can live in the fullness of it every day. How? By not allowing. Do not be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. Don't do it. Don't do it. Say, no, 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 no. You wolf me ox. I ain't falling for it. I ain't running from you. I'm not running in my own mind. I'm not going to allow fear to run in my own mind plays in the theater of your own what's going to run in my mind is good things that's why i'm going to think about things that which is lovely that which is of a good report that which is pure amen love you church just lift your hands to the lord father i just thank you holy spirit that you know each one of us in this room better than we know ourselves. You know what we're facing. You know what our challenges is. And God, I just speak to any fear that's in this place, any fear that's kept us in slavery, whether it be financial, whether it be uh, relational, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, whether it be in our jobs, whatever it is, I just speak against all fear. And I say, get out in Jesus' name. Fear, get out of this house. Get out of every heart and every mind In this house, and I thank you, Lord Jesus, that it was for freedom that you have set us free and today we make a decision to stand our ground against the enemy to live in the fullness of our baptism every day for the rest of our life and take ground against the enemy until this whole earth is filled with your glory as the waters cover the sea until this earth is filled with the people that look just like you until heaven opens up and a trumpet sounds and you the king of glory Come and get your bride that's made herself ready in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just applaud the Lord because his victory?